Welcome to another episode of It's Not About You with Jamal, Marianne, and Cousin Todd. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to uh, It's Not About You with myself, Jamal Harrington. With me, as usual, is uh, my co-host, Marianne Riley, fellow comedian Marianne Riley. And uh, also on this bad boy, we have the Cousin Todd. Cousin Todd, how's it going, guys? Not too bad. Can you guess what we saw today at the movie theater? Can you guess? Uh, I I can tell, yeah. Actually, I still have... um, I still haven't read the reviews for that movie yet, but I'm, um, I'm, Go I'm sure see that's something it. we'll. I'm sure it's something that we will talk about soon. But let's talk. Uh, let's introduce our guest for today. Um, today's guest is a stand-up comedian. He's a, a producer. He also is uh, doing the sixth annual Northwest Black Comedy Festival in Portland, Oregon. Uh, please welcome my guest for oh. today, our guest for today, not my guest, but our guest for today, Mr. The Mr. Hijinx himself, Tyro Collins. What's up? What's up? Oh, How y'all God. doing? Thank so you So that's for why. Me. So Hijinx. <laughs> We've actually met several different times. Have we? You know what? I smoke. A so lot of weed. weed. A lot I mean, of weed. I mean, I know that's kind of a, a weak <laughs> explanation, but I I really smoke a lot of weed. I, so, I've seen so. you smoke a lot of weed. But I'm like, <laughs> I'd be surprised if you did remember yeah. me. Let, you know what, you Let know me what, ask you this. Do you, it's, I, I is it, rather, the picture. Is it like... I would rather, I'm sorry. I would rather you not recognize me because of the weed, then you just say, oh, I know you, and tell me to fuck off. Right? <laughs> now, now uh, Tyrone, <laughs> is, is it like Snoop-level weed, or is it, is it, uh, or is it um, um, Willie Nelson-level weed? I don't know. I'm, um, I'm at the point where me and my wife, we probably go through a, probably about, a, I want to say an ounce every four days, maybe. You know, so I, I, I'm sure the weed smokers know what that means. Yeah, <laughs> but... I, you know, that's that's a like, you know, an ounce in four days, and we always roll up at least two blunts in every session. So I mean, you do the math. I yeah, mean, he has know, he, he has fun. Yeah, you know, that's called weed mathematics. Everybody that doesn't smoke weed can't do that math. So that is very true. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if we can do the math, it just equals a lot of swishers being splitted and uh, a lot of weed being smoked. That's what it really boils down to. Yeah, so that's and that is a, it's actually kind of funny because one of the things that I feel sometimes I think it hurts my my comedy career that I don't smoke weed because I'm not out there. I don't smoke cigarettes anymore. I gave that up five right. years ago, and so I don't. <laughs> I'm not outside smoking anything, so I, I don't have. I miss kind of that camaraderie of stuff that we used to have out uh-huh. there. Yeah, I've actually I, I've quit smoking cigarettes too. Like it's been about five years for me too, and um, I've actually I went this whole year. I haven't even drank alcohol this mm-hmm. year. I just wanted to take some time off. I'm getting a little older, so I can't put yeah. my body through, you know, hangovers as a bitch now you know yeah you know when you yeah. were younger you could drink and get up and be like hey yeah i'm still gonna 
now I get drunk at my age. It's a seventy-two hour turnaround. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Drunk. Two hours now, man. Yeah. I'm actually I'm... taking a hiatus from the alcohol myself. It's the first time I've said that out to anybody. But wow. yeah, I've taken I've awesome. taken a hiatus from it myself. So I mean, and I'm and um, I'm, I'm feeling. You know, it's interesting because um, it, I'm actually feeling a lot better. But yeah. It's, it's, I have sitting next to me one, two, three, four, five empty bottles of Christian Brothers um, brandy. Um, and I'm not going to lie to you, with my job and the stress that I go through with everything that I do, I will be surprised if I don't go to work hungover at least two times a week. Oh, at least do, you know yourself. Do your best good. impression of Pete Davidson as you walk in the door. Dude, I drag my ass into work and I fight off every slurring word to sound normal. Because the I'm first sure thing I do, work. the first thing I do is go for the coffee machine. They're just, you know, I show up, I go get coffee, I'll have my Red Bull or my Monster Energy drink, and all of a sudden, I'm everyone's best friend. Ugh. See, wow. that's so hard I... on the body. It's so yeah, hard, yeah, especially dude. as we get older. I mean, Jamal, you're gonna. In the you'll, next few you'll years. Start noticing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Wait, yeah well, you just see. turned 40? You just turned 40? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, you probably got maybe two more good years of drinking in you. I guarantee you. Yeah. yeah. You're yeah. going to hit those hangovers where Dude. it's just like, yeah. it, it, it ain't even worth this shit. <laughs> it's so, not okay. Even, let me, not let me ask you guys it's this. It's not even a hangover at that point. It's just my body. I'm like... My right? liver, <laughs> my my liver started shooting out an SOS, right? Like it started right. Morse code. It started like seriously tapping a Morse code to my bladder, going, "Dude, you gotta save us! Can somebody send a message to the brain that this bitch needs to stop? Because we're all gonna or quit just, on her soon." Yeah. After you hit about just, forty-five, your body is like, "You know what? You didn't sleep right last night. You need to not lay like that ever again." Yeah. Exactly. I, I just tell my liver to shut the fuck up and let the brain and the heart do the work. You know, yeah. you're just there. You're just yeah. there for decoration. That's all. In the next few years, wow. your your body's gonna be like, yeah, no, fuck you, yeah. dude. <laughs> I don't right. think so. It's, it's funny the things that your body stops. Pro like cousin Todd and I, uh, actually, Tyro. So Todd is my my legit cousin, and we yes. just came okay. back from the movies, and we just went to Ghostbusters, and my husband. God love him. Had to have popcorn. Now, hubby is a year older than I am, so he's 53. Okay. I am so glad that we are doing this podcast late. I'm hoping to God that all that noxious gas will leave his body before I leave before my Before you go to bed. Because otherwise, I know he's, I am in store for getting woke up at least once tonight in the middle, of, from a dead sleep, from a noxious gas emission oh, from dude. his ass. That's going to get hit the fan and blow into my face and cause me to jump out of bed going, What the fuck is that smell? Or, Marianne, what you could do is you could go into the other 19 rooms you have and just sleep alone. I'm actually kind of contemplating, you know, I do the spare bedroom that has the bed set up in it. Yeah, I kind of, I might have to. Love will make you stay in that bed. Like, you'll deal, you'll, you'll. He'll take it. You'll take it. I will too. God love him. I do love him. But Jesus God, I told him, man. Ooh. That, and but the thing is, though, is this is. I looked at him, and we both came to the conclusion this evening that um, mm -hmm. we are too old to eat popcorn because our body does not process it anymore like it used yeah. to. 
and it is just brutal. Yeah, you can't you can't do a lot of things. Like I can't, you know, like I shouldn't eat Popeyes as much as I do because I know what the fuck is gonna happen. I know, I know. Yeah. Forever. Yeah, now you know, like. <laughs> Give me a large red bean and rice. Let's go all oh the way in. God, they're dirty so, rice, yeah. though. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dirty rice is fucking to die for. I love I, their dirty yeah. rice. I, I feel like every time I go into a Popeye's and I order something, I know that I've just lost a day out of my life. Like, it's just like, okay, okay. Two, chicken, two chicken breasts, uh, the, the curly fries, and, and the biscuit. I'm like, did I really need to live to be 52? Like, let's just, you know... <laughs> So let Both. me ask you, what's worse, a three-piece from Popeye's or a bottle of that Christian Brothers you got down there? I'm not going to... Uh, uh, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, don't, I don't know, like cirrhosis of the liver or cholesterol. <laughs> Which will kill you faster. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to lie. I, 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 I would take the Christian Brothers. Like, I, I don't ever have to eat Popeye's ever again. Like, I'll, I'll drink... I will just be like, pump that shit through my veins, son. Like, let's hush your mouth. Let's Don't you ever say that about no But I will say this though. Ever. I, will, I will say this though. I do envy because uh, there's a lot of comics that don't drink. There's a lot of comics that don't smoke. But I always envy yeah. the ones that don't drink because I'm like, how the fuck do you do that? How the fuck do you do your show, go over to the bar and order like wings or something, and just forget the fact that there's a wall of oh, alcohol man. just staring it's at easy. you. Now, I, I once went two and a half years without drinking, and that was that was a good two and a half years. But man, when I went back to the bottle again, it was like, mm-hmm. oh man, I missed you. But but that was me, <laughs> you know. Thank God I'm not at an AA meeting right now. Like, <laughs> you guys don't know what you're missing. You guys should drink more. <laughs> but but it, it was it um, there was a lot of clarity when I stopped drinking. But now it's yeah. like I drink because I I tell myself, you know what. I deserve this, or I crushed out a comedy show, or I did terrible on a comedy show. <laughs> Either way, I deserve this, you know? There's always a reason to drink. Right, exactly. I was going to say, like, Tyra, so. when I quit smoking, and I'm, I'm approaching this, my hiatus from alcohol the same way I did from smoking. It's just another toxic relationship I'm kicking right. to the curb, you know? And, and I know that I will obsess about it, and I'll think about it all the time. And that'll happen for a cup the first couple of weeks. And then after that, because, you know, I've never, I was never growing up. I was never one that was ever interested in alcohol. I would buy alcohol. My sister and I, we were roommates and I would buy alcohol and we we're like, woo, we're going to tear it up and have <laughs> a drink and then put the bottle in the cupboard and find it like two months later, three months later, we're like, do you remember buying this? <laughs> you know, and we like, oh yeah, we did buy that, huh? Yeah. But I just, I've never, was never one until I got with my psychotic ex and, you know, you had to drink to be in that relationship, but you know, I've got no excuse anymore. I survived well, see, that shit. I should have got a purple me, heart from that. For me, totally different. I drank in high school. Like my best drinking years was literally high school. Oh, like I'm not even gonna bullshit. I lived in Las Vegas, so alcohol oh, yeah. was easy to get to. Yeah. You know what hey. I'm saying? Like I could even in high school, I was going to corner score stores buying forties. Drinking for you know, like it wasn't nothing so, to get alcohol out there. So no, yeah, my, I live in Vegas, and Vegas is Vegas is a fucking crazy ass world. That's where I said yeah. I would never live in Vegas. So just out of curiosity, 
and you might you might have heard this story. I don't know, and it's been a, a lifetime ago, so you may not have mm -hmm. heard, remember if you heard it about the veterinarian that was beaten and left for dead uh, by his his vet partner. It was it was all over the news. They were trying to figure out who tried to murder this veterinarian, and uh, back in 1990s, late 90s, early 90s, no mid, so it's like 1992. Wow, and I was in uh, high school out there during that time. Yeah, what, what high school again, did you go to? I went to Western you know? High School. Western, Western High School, Western okay. Warriors, class of '93, baby. Woo! Oh, wow. okay. So you were there with my my little brothers and sisters. So yeah. my siblings. Uh, who said, oh, shit? Why, why you got to say it like that, man? You oh, no, no. I mean, when you said you were, when you said how old you were, I was like, yeah, that 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 makes sense. It's class 93, man. <laughs> 93, wow. Okay, okay. Way to go, man. But, yeah, I did most of my drinking in high school. Like, you, yeah. I was literally, there was days where, like, by third period, I was already shit-faced drunk. Oh, you know wow. what I'm saying? Like, you know, I started my day with one of those AMPM squeeze bottles with E and J and Coke. That's how yeah. I was walking into school. You know what I'm saying? So I was drinking that, and then I would leave school, then go try to go to track practice. And have you ever ran in the heat drunk in Las yep. Vegas? That is oh, not yeah. well. See, I, I had to. I was in <laughs> Texas, so we had the dry, uh, you know, that dry spring heat. Yeah. Where Same it thing. was like. You were burning outside and inside. Mm -hmm. It was just like yeah. you prayed you prayed to pass out so you could have a reason yeah. to go home. Did you ever uh, just throw up and run laps at the same time and try to skip over your throw up? <laughs> yeah, I've had I've had those days. Did, have you ever, it was like it was like running a hundred meter dash, but it was like a marathon. Like you, right. it looked like you ran a marathon afterwards because you and got I like. I still did it. Yeah. Oh and man. I, no. So I, yeah. It, it, yeah, no, I, I get where you're coming from. Like, I drank after high school, but a little bit in high school because I knew, like, okay, I'm about to graduate. I don't have to prove mm -hmm. anything. You know, my grades are good. You know, I'm an athlete or whatever. And um, it was, like, right when I graduated and moved to New York, oh, it was, like, the floodgates open. I was, uh, I was 18, 17, getting into bars and just drinking. Yeah. And it was just, like... Uh, you know, hoping that no one would check my ID, you know, went to my first strip club when I was like, uh, when I was 17. So it was, it was, um, you know, um, there are times where it's just like, I tell myself, okay, I need to, I need to cut back, you know, you know, so it was like, I mean, unfortunately these four, five bottles of Christian brothers and the Patron <laughs> that I have back here, um, it, the thing that sucks about me and my and now I feel like I'm in an AA meeting now. I don't think I can, I can't keep a bottle for like a week, you know. Like you know, like some some businessmen like they walk over to their like bar and they just have right, like yeah. you know they just pour themselves like a glass of something on the rocks and they just sit by the fireplace and just watch the stock ticker. Contemplate That's, life and just yeah, and just, just be mm, like okay, mm, Rutherford mm. Christabel. Um, <laughs> what company shall we buy today? You know, and it's like I I kind of do that, but it's like okay, what joke do I want to write? But, but the problem is with these guys, they can let alcohol last three weeks, a month. You know, me, it's like oh, I can't wait to go home because I'm gonna get lit before this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's usually before this podcast, but it's like I'm about to get lit before this podcast, or or. You know, I'm about to like do some like heavy writing, so I gotta like have something in me. I gotta smoke. I gotta do this, and it's just part of the routine. 
Now, can I quit if I want to? Sure. I think the problem is I just right now don't want to. I think yeah, you know, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you go, ladies. I was gonna I'm say, fine. you know, the thing is though is is that you know anytime you go to quit anything that you have had as a part, like I was a smoker for 31 years, and that's a long time to be a smoker, yeah. a long time. And then you know, I actually made that decision that, you know what, this isn't who I am anymore. This isn't what I want. And this is, I, you know, like, why am I still doing something at 47 that I did when I was 16? There's nothing else that I do in my life that I've, that I still do. Paying that, for the privilege of dying. Yeah. And, and it's, I'm like, and it, and it gives me nothing. It gives me no joy. And that's where I kind of got with the alcohol. It was like, I was like, you know what? I, I feel like shit. I physically feel not good. Like I'm dying here. And why am I doing this? Because it brings me no joy. I have no enjoyment. When I, it doesn't enhance anything. If, if anything, it, det it, it completely detracts in every single way. I'm watching TV and I don't remember like, oh shit, hey, <laughs> I watched this movie before. Huh, I must have been drunk. <laughs> you know, so oh, I don't know. I'm a regular. Yeah, I'm just, you know, it's just for me. It's, but I, I had to get to that point within myself that I uh -huh. said, I don't want to do this anymore. And that's where I'm at. And, you know, in the bottom line, it's just one of, you know, for me, when I have all kinds of alcohol in my cupboard that I won't, like, I have a bunch of Crown Royal. I have a bunch of stuff, but there was never my drink is what I had a hard time. And I just put it in the cupboard and said, you know what? I'm fucking done. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired of it. So, yeah, we'll see. You know, and hopefully, you know, we'll just, I take it day by day. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's better. Right. Comedian it down. Not, <laughs> I'm sorry. Stop my earphones. No, I was trying to charge my phone, so I had to put my cordless, I mean, my earbuds in. The so important like, thing is, the important thing is, I thought you there fell down. Go. I was like, please get up. Like, just please get up. <laughs> I'm like, you are not selling. You are not selling. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to scare everybody at home, but tell them I'm all right. Tell them to stop calling 911. Yeah. So, because this is, this is an. This is an audio podcast. They're not going to see it, but what we saw was oh, yeah. look like, <clears throat> like him tumbling our, our, down a flight of stairs. He's like, oh, my God, I'm sorry, <laughs> as he's doing it. So. Yeah, For non-visual <laughs> okay. audience, um, Tyrone is fine. Okay. He doesn't need medical attention, uh, right? You don't need medical attention, okay. right? You're well, good? He's not, he's not physically anymore. Yeah, I'm good. I am. I'm good. Physically, I'm good. Mentally, I'm still chill. <laughs> Truly, it would not be an whole, episode whole of not about you if we did not have some technical issues. So. Right. We always have technical issues. So, okay, enough about all okay. of our, our stuff. I need to know, right before we, we started recording, Tyrone, uh -huh. Maul made a comment that you were just got done watching 1,200 videos. Why? I am... Well, actually, we just started the process. We just started watching our first videos last night for the entries into the 6th Annual Northwest Black Comedy Festival uh, that's uh, going on in Portland, Oregon, uh, February 17th through February 20th of 2022. So we're actually sitting and going through, and I got to watch. And we got to watch every video from beginning yeah. to end, no, no matter how painful or how long how, are the videos? 
Most of them are five, three to five minutes. But the thing is, we still try to watch them all because you never know. Somebody might get to the end and drop a jewel that'll make you change your whole mind about their set. Like, all right, we can get them in the showcase. Let's are you? Get them in. Is it you and a committee of people watching this? Like, is your wife involved? No, it's, me, it's me and the person who started this with me, my wife. We have the final say on who makes it and who don't make it. We don't. We don't have a panel. I'm not. I don't have a panel helping me do all the hard work. So I'm not going to have a panel sitting there making those final decisions. Me and my wife do all the hard work, the footwork. So we're going to make those decisions. And I think we're great judging talent because we've had sellout uh, festival after festival after festival. So. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've actually wanted to go down there with a few friends of mine before to go see that festival. This year, I might try and see if I drag my hubby because he's just starting out in comedy. So I'm trying to show mm -hmm. him, like, I've already, I've been doing this for a minute. So I yeah. need him to see the flip side. I need him to see what the grind is like. He assumes, he's like, well, you got booked for a show. I'm not booked. What do I need to go for? I'm like, excuse I the fuck out of me. No, no, no. So... Yeah, I actually had a show that I did, and mm -hmm. I asked him. I said, "Do you do you want to do you want to get some time?" And he's like, "Oh, sure." And I said, "No, no, <laughs> that's not how this works, sweetheart. <laughs> do you want to get time on this show? Go find the booker, go introduce yourself, go tell them you're right. a comic, and ask them for some time. You don't go jumping on Mama's telescreen. <laughs> not on this. Like mm -hmm. I will, I will give you the world. You are my yeah. She's not Roseanne. Give you the world." Yeah, but not this whole, not this shit. You, you need to go. So I've been trying to get him to kind of see what it's like when I tell him, like he's he and is insanely funny, but he's still new, and so he hasn't seen that flip side, and yeah. especially you know he's been like stuck out in Bremerton area for like the last thirty years. So we're like, I love Bremerton area, but yeah, it I is know. yeah, it is really nice. But you know, it's it's a different world over there. It's on that side of the water. Yeah. It's it is. A totally different world and so like that's one of the things is it's kind of hard like trying to get settled over on this side of the water because like he said that side of the water there's no racism you don't we've never had any right. kind of experience you just you don't experience it over there and so it's a lot different when you come over to this side of the water it's mm -hmm. definitely like painfully obvious you know so it's it's been a kind of an eye-opener for him to come over to this side of the water I drag him over here but um so now just kind of like taking a look at the different, like, okay, you were, everybody knew him over there. He was semi-famous mm -hmm. because of just who he was and what he does. I mean, he was, he's right. a, been a casino dealer and he's hilariously funny for, for years, but now welcome over to this side. Nobody knows you. You have to prove yourself. Right. And do you want to go do funny? You have to, it's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of getting up there right. and consistency. And, and it's, it's so, it's just so nice to be able to kind of like show him that side, but not like kind of be on the, you know, kind of taking a backseat to kind of look and see like, oh yeah, that's what, I remember what that was like back in those days. Hey, hey Tyrone, um, I know yeah. you've been doing this for six years and I've always wanted to ask you like, what, what uh, can you take like me, our audience to what gave mm. you the idea to do this, uh, this type of, comedy festival, especially in a place as completely lily white as Portland. <laughs> I don't know if I'd say 
Portland was lily white. Oh, it's it it's white as fuck. It is. Mean, it's, it's, white. it's a lot of snow. I mean, it's, 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 at the at the time in Portland, uh, when we wanted to do this, there was only really one good festival here in town, and that was Bridgetown. I do and uh, and don't get me wrong, I love Bridgetown because I used to volunteer, and I would go there for the, you know, I would go there and uh, just be like a, a a judge. I mean, like a stagehand. Oh, you know what? Whatever they wanted my help doing, I would go and do for Bridgetown. But then one year, I just started noticing, oh, there's not a lot of local black comics in Britain. And I know, and the thing is, I know there are a bunch. I'm like, come on, man, Nathan Brandon, um, you know what I'm saying? At that time, that's when Curtis Cook was just coming through here. You know what I'm saying? But it was a lot of funny black comedians, and I was just like, damn, that's crazy. I mean, Jaron George, uh, Dahlia DeLubel. I mean, I can just keep naming funny-ass black comics from here. But you like we I wasn't seeing us represented in the festival. So I just said, you know what? I'm gonna do a black comedy festival. Like I'm I'm just gonna fuck it. I'm just gonna, you know. And uh and when I and when I came up with the idea, like when I told my wife, she honestly thought I was crazy. She was like, Oh, are you fucking ah <laughs> But she believed me. She backed me up though. But you know, she was just like, you know, cause she's born and raised here in Portland. So she knows, like, so, so, you know, I was like, fuck that. We're going, we're going to do this. So my, you know, the first year, it was just my idea. It was a dream. I was like, I think we can put the spotlight on some great black comics, comedy here in Portland. And also show them that like, you don't have to go to all these Keeliums and all this shit to see great comedy. You can go down to your local Elks club. You can go over to your local bar where they're doing a showcase. You can still see great comedy without a $20 ticket price and a two-drink minimum. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to do all of that to see great comedy. So that's why we put the festival on. And the first year, we did it. We didn't even do a, a submission. I just called every black comedian. I knew. It was like, hey, look, <laughs> doing a festival. What are you doing? Would you happen to come in town and be a part of it? Please, please, please. And people showed up the first year. I think we had how many comics the first year, roughly? 45. Yeah, 45 comics the first year. Wow. Oh, wow. Some of them from, we had a lot of LA, and we had a lot of LA comics come out here too. So it was like, it was real cool. So the second year, I said, okay, we're going to keep it going. Because that's the thing. I didn't want to be one and done. Because that's what everybody was looking for. Everybody right. was looking for it. Oh, they're going to do it one time. And oh, we ain't going to hear about this shit ever again. Uh, <laughs> right. Six, year number six, motherfucking surprise. Uh, so uh, <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't go away. So year number two, we did the same thing. We took submissions, but we didn't take no money. If you send us your video and we can put you in the lineup somewhere, we got you in it. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we did everything. Uh, same thing with year three. Now, uh, what's it, year three or four? What? That we hooked up with where we were sending the comics over to Helium. I mean, Harvey. That was four. So, two was a success. One was a complete, we packed house. To this day, one of the venues that we did our, our festival at, uh, we are the highest money making night that they've had in history 
They've never had another night where they've made as much money as they did when we did our festival there. Like, we did it. So first year, great. Second year, dope. Third year. So by the fourth year, we were starting to take submissions. And uh, we were only, I think submissions were $10. $10 submissions. And you would get a gift bag, a T-shirt, and a soul food dinner the whole time you were here. I fed the comics the whole time they were here. They didn't have to go pay for food. I had it catered, soul food, fried chicken, collard greens, macaroni and cheese, cornbread. Like, I fed the comics. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was you know, and and most of the things we did came out of pocket. We didn't have a lot of, we didn't have a lot of backing. Nobody was giving us money. We had a few don- donors here and there. We had a couple companies that gave a little bit, but for the most part, I was donating, not donating, I was literally giving my whole paycheck from my job I had at the time. Some weeks I'd come home and be like, okay, well, we got to pay for this, 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 and this. So guess where this check is going? And we're raising three kids. You know, we're we're raising oh, wow. three kids in school, school-age kids. We're going to basketball games, soccer games, uh, orchestra events, concerts with our kids, and still running the festival, doing open mics, and doing showcases while raising the family. Wow. So man, we got a, uh, So every year it went up more and more, like 60 comedians, 70 comedians. So we got to our fourth year, and I had got a kind of a partnership with Harvey's Comedy Club. So that year they actually let me send comics that had never worked in the comedy club ever in their life go and open up for the opening act that was there that weekend. I sent wow. eight different comedians that had never been in the comedy club in their life and had them open up at Harvey's Comedy Club in downtown Portland, Oregon. I made that, and we made that happen. Dirty Angel, we made that happen. You know, so, like, my festival my festival is just not about getting people here to watch us do comedy. It's also about giving opportunities to some comedians that may not have gotten that opportunity before because I was where they were at one time and getting booked is hard as fuck. You know what I'm saying? If you ain't kissing somebody's ass or tap dancing, soft shoeing for somebody, hey, balls, hey, you my best friend. Can I? I'm not doing that <laughs> shit. I'm funny. Yeah. I'm funny. Yeah. I'm good at what I do. So you're either going to book me or fuck you. Yeah. So I yeah. wanted to give a lot of comedians an opportunity. Like you don't gotta, you don't gotta do shit, man. I did everything, so you don't have to do that. All you gotta do is go up there and be funny. And don't let me down. I made this happen. Go be funny. Don't let me down. That's all you gotta do. So, so on your festival, the festival that's coming up in February, it's a four-day festival. How many different shows are people doing? I mean, how many different shows are gonna get put oh. on? I'm excited this year. 11 showcases, two live wow. podcasts. Wow. And we teamed up. Uh, nice. This year we teamed up with the, uh, Alberta Abbey. Alberta Abbey is like a 320 oh. seat uh, theater yep, uh, over in Northeast Portland. It's a beautiful building. It's a beautiful venue. They're opening it up to us. They're helping us work out all kind of deals. Like even this year, we're going to have like bottomless uh, beer glasses. So you can pay like $20 and drink all the fucking beer on draft that you want. <laughs> like wow. we're going to have shit like this this year. Somebody's going out no. of business. The We're way talking. it's worked out, nobody's going out of business. Everybody's going to make a profit. And it's only it's going to do great in the neighborhood. We're going to bring life back to Northeast Portland, where most of black Portland is. 
So that's why we wanted to move this festival back there. And we got Curious Comedy Club on board, and we're going to be doing showcases at Curious over on MLK because, you know, yeah. it's like like the way we got it set up, uh, the way the festival is going to be set up this year, I got it staggered out. So you can actually, if you buy a festival pass, you will be able to see every fucking showcase and every podcast and not have to rush or miss anything. It's going to be timed out perfect. It's like you're, so if you buy a festival pass for, our festival pass will probably be roughly 250 to 300, but that's 11 showcases and two podcasts that you get to see. You know what I'm saying? And for a little upsell for like maybe $20, $25 more, you get a soul food dinner. So you know what I'm saying? So I think of it like this. You can't take you, your husband, and your kids to a Blazer game for $300. One game for one day for $300. And you can come to a whole festival for four days and see 11 showcases and two podcasts for $300. Now, you can't tell me that's not a good deal. Oh, no, it is. It's a great deal. The only question is, like, so what about if somebody only wanted to come down for, like, a DF day passes or... Are you gonna- We're going to have day passes, individual passes. We'll have VIP uh, date night passes. So if you, for 150 you can get to see all the showcases at the Alberta Abbey, get a soul food dinner, and uh, we'll buy your first drink and give you uh, festival T-shirts for, for one night, 150 Like, I mean, that's not, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's not a bad deal. You're not, you're not getting over you're going to get to see two dope showcases. You're going to get to eat. Both of you get to eat. You get sh- I mean, so. I mean, and, and on top of that, on top of that, like, speaking as a person who, you know, who used to travel down the, to Portland when I was living in Seattle, Portland is actually a very beautiful city. Like, it, this, is, it really this, is. Is, this is being held in a, in a very uh, beautiful setting. I mean, Portland is a very beautiful place. When I go down to Portland, you were talking about Northeast Portland. Uh, <laughs> I told one of my Jamaican friends here in uh, New York, uh, one of my coworkers, there's a Jamaican kitchen over on Killingsworth. Um, yeah, right across from Jefferson High School. Thank you. And I go there every yep. time I come in. Every time I blow through town, I never not stop there. I've brought my mother there. I've taken a couple yep. of ex-girlfriends there. They like it. Um, <laughs> The funny thing about it is um, a fellow friend of mine who is an avid comedy fan, um, mm-hmm. uh, Christi- Christina Taylor, actually, um, she introduced me to the place. And we went together. And she was like, I need to know if this place is good or not. So we went there. And I, and I was like, oh, yeah, strong vouch. I'm, and I, now I go there now every time I come back. But the, And it's funny that you're having this. Because I remember the first time you posted this uh, festival up on Facebook. And I'll be honest with you, I, I kind of laugh because I'm like, oh, Portland. It's like so many white people there. This, I was very skeptical. <laughs> I, I, no, I'll be honest with you. I was very skeptical because we're not and talking I, about I like, we're not talking about like a, a black. If this was like Tacoma, Washington, maybe. Right. If this was, um, well, only Tacoma, Washington, because I can't imagine this happening in Spokane. I can't imagine this happening in like Olympia or Everett or. But out of all the, like, I think of Connecticut, like, wow, could you do this in Connecticut? No. <laughs> Portland, Oregon, and, and don't get me wrong, there are black comedians in Portland, but the thing yeah. is, what you're doing and what you've continued to maintain doing is putting together a festival where unrepresented black people 
Um, like you said, comics who have never been into a comedy club, you're giving an opportunity to those who, after you're watching their videos and you're, you and your wife are judging, you can say, oh, this is somebody that I could see putting on a lineup on this show or right. on this show at this venue. So the fact that, first of all, congratulations on six years, number one, because I base doing that, raising a family, you know, the jobs and all that. Like, let me tell you something. I could relate to putting your signing your paycheck over to comedy. I can I can definitely <laughs> relate to that. It's like, like as soon as you get that check, you've already spent that money, and then the next right. paycheck that's coming in in your head because you got you. What you're trying to do is you're trying to put together the best product possible and i know it's not easy and that's why you know i commend you for doing this because again it's portland oregon you don't think when i when i think of portland i think of the blazers i think of you know the timbers i think of portland right. <laughs> you know what i'm saying i don't, right, think, right. I don't think of northwest flag and, uh, and you're doing it in February. Well, the, the coldest fucking month I've had. Any. That's funny, because the only thing I think well, about when I think of Portland is strip clubs. Oh, and donuts. Yeah. Voodoo donuts. Yeah, and donuts. Donuts and, donuts. and, and the, the, strip, the strip clubs that have the steaks and shit. Yeah. Oh, uh, So let me ask you this. Like, uh, yeah. have you been getting, I mean, like, you have to be getting some kind of recognition, some kind of, like, national recognition because of this right i mean again portland black uh comedy festival i mean you got to get some kind of i mean to do this for six years that's got to take some kind of that takes a lot of balls and that takes a lot of guts but you would think that by now hard work and money that you know somebody out there is like oh this this dude is doing a a black comedy festival in a place that (laughs) you know Thing you would you would think that you know what I'm saying, and, but the sad part is is like, be honest, we did it in you know okay we did it in February. I know it's the coldest month, but it's also Black History Month, so that was important to us to have it in February. So that's one reason we did it there. And two, we don't really get the publicity we should for this. Like normally, we'll get people calling us. To, to a week before the festival. Like, we've been promoting this shit for months, like three, four months. Like, right now, I got flyers that I'm about to start going to put out now. We're in December. We're in November. And I'm about to start putting flyers out now to promote this festival. But won't nobody call us but until a week before the festival. Then they want to interview us. Our clip for Black History Month is, oh, we got, oh, look, uh, uh, nah, man. So now we're this year we're like fuck it we got some people behind us it's like look we're gonna help you make noise we're gonna start making noise about this shit in December and January we're not gonna wait till February and then everybody's like oh wow oh 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 no we're gonna make shit we're gonna put your banner up above the door over at Alberta Abbey at the beginning of January we're not gonna wait till February and put it up we're gonna get this shit up as soon as possible you know what I'm saying so yeah we have to attack it different and we are. But at the same time, we still need people to know this. I mean, my wife is one of the most, like, when it comes to sending out press release, getting the word out, social media press release, my wife is on top of it. She will email everybody and their motherfucking mama to make sure they know what the hell we're doing. But 
if you just get thrown across the editor's desk or this ain't right at this time. And like, would you believe six years in, we've only been in Willamette Weekly, what, once? Once? Six years. Willamette Weekly, one goddamn time. One ride up in the Willamette Weekly. I think once in the Oregonian. Once in the Oregonian. Just once in the Oregonian. And we've been on TV one time. Six years. Six years. And we have not... Our own city is not pushing us. You know what I mean? So that's why it's hard. That's why it stings when I walk up to people and they'll see me in my Northwest Black Comedy Festival. And they're like, what is this? And I'm like, yeah, we're going into our sixth year. And they're like, oh, I've never heard of it. How the fuck? Wow. 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 So we don't get the media push that we deserve. We don't have them, you know what I'm saying? Like, we, we just don't. And, and like I said, when we do get the media push, it's a week before the it's a week before the festival. It's a it's a couple of days before the festival. But, but we yeah, don't get me wrong, we still sell out. The shows yeah. still be sold out. But what we're doing and where we're doing it, yeah. there should be more of a spotlight and more recognition. Yeah. And that's all I'm saying. And I'm not saying we deserve to be red carpet treatment, but somebody should say, look what this black couple with the family is doing in this fucking town and by themselves. Not a big army behind them, not a big staff, not a big bankroll, just them. That's it. Let, let and nobody's you, even let, go let me ask you this. Um why do you think you're not getting the recognition that you deserve? Do you Honestly think I not, couldn't tell you why. Because uh, now, well, let me ask you this question then because okay I've never I've never been to your festival but as far as I'm concerned, it's successful. Six years, you're doing something right. You and your wife are doing a lot of things right. I've heard a lot of what? really good things about it from I, my I, my fellow comics up here. I, I've heard a lot of I've really had, um, positive outcomes from from the Black Comedy Festival. Uh, we have uh, a fellow comedian is up here right now visiting Vanessa Dawn, and um, you know she spoke about the the festival, and she said she had fun. She said, oh, yeah. it's a great time. She said that you guys took care of all the... Com- she was like, the first... They take care of all the comics. I've never really heard of a festival of somebody at our level. Because, you know, we're not nationally touring headliners. Right. I mean, I don't consider right. myself a nationally touring headliner. But she was just like, oh, they took care of us. And I was like, well, what do you mean they took care of you? He was like, oh, we, we got fed. We were able to perform on, you know, shows. Like, we were looked after. Um... And and and, it's, and every time I hear about a festival, there's always like a horror story, like, oh, they didn't give us a room, or I had to go bunk with somebody else, or they didn't give us a food stipend or whatever like that. Sometimes it's just like they just got us there just to get us there, I guess, or whatever. Right. But but based on what you're telling me, you're, I mean, so far your festival sounds like like the cream of the crop festival, something that you know, oh God, I'm lucky that I'm a black man that you know. <clears throat> that might have a chance, but, um, <laughs> Hey, why do you think I want I'm, you? I'm like, I paid attention. Cause I'm like, I'm going to throw a hubby into there. <laughs> so I could go, go, I could but, go but, on. But, his, more his, but more importantly though, what, what's, what is the demographic of the, now you guys say you sell out. What's the demographic of the people that show up to your, um, to the festival? I'm going to, we, we have predominantly white audiences. Like they come out in drones. To see, to see it, you know what I'm saying? Like, we'll get, I'm not going to say the black community don't come out, but the white community, they come out. I mean, 
they get to see it's like get to go to BET and Soul Food is right. I mean, they love it. Like this is like this is the closest as we're getting to getting invited to the barbecue. Like this is it. Like this is it. You know what I'm saying? So the turnout is, and I'm, and don't get me wrong, I'm always grateful because it's just you know, I. I my thing is with this festival, we may not get everybody there, but the right people are there. And that's what's more important to us. We can't get everybody, but the right people, the people that need to see it, need to see this shit take place, those are the people that fill those seats, and those are the ones that's important to us. And that, those are the ones that continue us to make us want to do better next year. You know, like, as soon as the festival is over, I can tell you this now, every year, my wife will vouch for this, as soon as the last showcase is done and it's over with, I'm thinking about next year already. Already, I'm like, yo, so I like this, but next year, you know what we're going to do? Like, I'm already thinking about next year before, you know, like before I even give the thank yous, like I'm thinking about next year. Because the thing is, I don't ever, this is never going to be, I will never be, I don't ever want to be one of those people that like, I don't want to be forgotten. I, I want this festival when I stop doing this festival, when me and my wife stop doing this festival, we're going to be on our own terms because, like, okay, we did everything we can for the comedy community. We've given, we've given, we've given. So now it's time for us to relax and just sit back. But so I, I plan on, like... Oh, sorry, I was going to say, how was everything during the pandemic when everything was shut down? What did you guys... Was, were you able to do hard. something? Well, uh, last year we we actually we signed a streaming deal with a um, a streaming service. So for the fifth annual festival, we had access to uh, Harvey's Comedy Club, but we couldn't have but like right. ten to fifteen people in there. So we signed a deal with a streaming service, and we streamed our festival worldwide. Nice. So that's what we did last year. Awesome. How was how was that? Did it like change your demographic of people that were viewing it, or I mean, did it? It, like, it did because we could see where it was being watched at, and it's crazy when you look. You like, yo, somebody in Ghana was just watching our damn festival. <laughs> yo, somebody in South America had just tuned in. So yeah, it was, it was big. You know, um, the thing is, because when the when the pandemic hit, we weren't sure if we were going to do a festival. We didn't know how big of a fe- we knew we had to do something. We couldn't let a year go by like we're not gonna we're not gonna be that dude those people. We're gonna do something. It might not be as big and as extravagant as the others, but we're going to do something. So that's what we came up with the streaming deal. And we still had comedians still come in town for it. We still had comedians come up from L.A., um, Las Vegas. Like we still. Yeah, Cleveland. We still had a wow. shitload of oh, wow. comics still come, but we just didn't have the audience that we we wanted, you know, because we couldn't. But it was still a success. Hands down, it was still a success. You know, it was hard and we had to overcome and the obstacles, but but when when you got something that you love and you want to see it succeed, you'll find a way. You're not, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, people couldn't know it's just another obstacle for me to get around. I love that. I'll take that challenge. Tell me no, because I'm going to figure out a way to do it. 
when we did the first festival, everybody was like, oh, this ain't going to last. No, no. We had a couple people boycotting it. How dare you do an all-black festival? Why? What if we did an all-white festival? Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, I was like, I was like, well, every festival is the all-white all festival. Right, what the fuck are you talking about? It's always the like I've seen the Bridgetown lineups and I and I and I agree with you. Um those Bridgetown lineups yeah, is almost like um yeah, we're just going to uh get a couple of these people here, a couple of these people here, and we're just gonna flood it with a bunch of Dana Ghouls. <laughs> you know, like Why? And that's what it is. And that's when when but you gotta think our and another thing I love about our festival, we make it for everybody. Like, we make sure we take care of, we have a showcase called Young Guns. It's just for the people that, maybe you haven't been doing comedy that long, but you still need to learn how to get up on that stage and do that shit. You can't let the, you know, so we have a showcase, Young Guns. We have another showcase, all woman lineup called Ladies Run This Mother. That is always uh, for the last, I say five of the seven, five Four of the six years of our festival has been the number one uh, showcase that we've had in our festival. The lineup has always been bananas because the women fucking bring it. They're just fucking beasts on stage. Uh, uh, But another one that I really love... Go ahead. No, I was going to say, do you have one where you have, like, white comedians who think that they're black, and do you have that kind of lineup? Jamie Kennedy? No. <laughs> now I did say this. I said if we make it to our ten year festival, I would do an ally showcase. Where I would have a one showcase with comedians that I know really fuck with me. Not just want to do it but just to say, Oh, I was in the Northwest Black Comedy Festival. No comics that really really like somebody like Eric Escobar. I would definitely oh, reach yeah. out to him. Oh, okay. I love that dude. He's super fucking funny. He's a fucking killer, and I know he's an ally. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Somebody, you know, comedians like that. Then uh, Pedro Andretti, who's from here, he's a fucking fucking hilarious. So if we make it to our 10th year, we will have something like that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but we got to, but for now, this is for us. And like, right, you know what right. I'm saying? And no, it's nothing against. No, but is there? So the question is: Is that are there any other all black festivals, or are you guys like the only ones? No, there there are a couple more. I went to I was just in one uh, earlier this year in Atlanta, the eighteen sixty five Juneteenth festival. Oh, it's new, yeah, but nice. but it was a it was. It was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. I met a lot of great comics. Uh, I got, actually got picked to be in the best of the fest, so I was one of the top comedians. It was that. It was. I mean, they did photo shoots with us. I mean, every like, it was a wonderful. Uh, her name is uh, Vanita Schofield. She's the one that runs it. Honey Bunny Productions. I think that's the name of her company. But super fun time. Had a blast, and like it was. It was uh, it it made me look at my festival and was like, okay, I mean, like, it, I'm not saying hers either one was better, but it made me look forward to mine. Like, okay, she made me feel good, so now I got to make you know. So, and it was just it was a fun time, and I think they still do the uh, don't they do a black comedy festival in East Oakland, the Oakland uh black comedy? Oh, festival, I thought oh, I know I know what you're talking about. Um. 
I think I don't know if they still do it, but I know in the past they have. Yeah, so because I know Jay I, I don't know was on there one time. Who? Yeah, Jay Hollings. Believe it or not, Jay Hollings worth. I was, was I was it. just gonna. That's, I'm sorry. I, I was like, urge what? Yeah. Okay. So because <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> who? Big, big J. Big yeah. J. Yeah, you know Big J. I know I fucked with Big J. I've done oh, shows with Big J. We had him on here. We had him on our show what a couple weeks ago. Yeah. 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 So he he came and joined us a couple Big weeks J's ago. Big J's a cool dude. For uh, for you for our fourth festival, he was actually featuring at um, I think Harvey's that weekend for our fourth festival, and he actually was like, "Can I promote it? Can I push it?" Like he was really cool about it because he said this is dope and he's like yo man if there's anything i can do to help like you know like push it or promote it so jay's cool man i've known jay yeah. like me and him I, I worked with him we first i met him through ralph porter when i was doing yeah. shit in tacoma oh yeah that's because uh, there was a stint in my career like i wasn't doing nothing in portland i was doing everything they wasn't fucking with me in portland they didn't you know like people weren't booking me mm. So I was getting, I was Tacoma, Bremerton, Seattle. I was living up there. I was like, you know, yeah. doing shit with, you know, Bo Blast. Like I said, Big Funny. Like uh, all those cats, I've got a chance to work up there. So hell, Tacoma is my home away from home. That's my second home, honestly. Yeah. And that's where I saw you. I saw you a few times up here because um, Auntie Katrina is like my best friend. So okay, I know. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that's she calls me her ashy twin. So, uh, <laughs> but um, I love. Uh, yeah, I love Chikatina. And so that's how I met you one time. Was at a you know, we were at the Elks in in Spanaway. Okay, I remember. I probably remember that. Yeah. Like I said, I smoke a lot of weed. So you were kind of you were like uh, definitely. Definitely uh, um, enjoy your best life. Yeah. I probably had a good set. I usually get the highest after a good set because I'm like, I can't yeah. make you see that shit. Yeah. So I probably had a good set. <laughs> yeah, it was, so it was usually, a lot of fun. Usually after a good set. Uh, I do that. But uh, but yeah, I am, I'm really looking forward to this year's festival. Like I said, just going through the first set of uh, videos last night, the uh, so the, when, the talent is amazing. Are you done? Okay, so you said you've got the twelve hundred videos that you're going through. Are you are you done accepting submissions, or are people still like, what's your deadline for submissions? Okay, so we closed submissions like a week ago, like and um. But the thing is, there's a couple people like, oh man, oh man, I would love to get in. So this is what I'm gonna do now. Once I go through all the videos, and I, if there's slots still open. Cause I'm gonna keep it real. Everybody's not getting into the festival. I'm, right. I, it's not because it's just like you know you don't fit. Maybe you don't fit with you know anything. So if I have slots available after we watch all the videos, I'll reach out to a few people like, "Yo, send me your video if I can get you in on something." You know what I'm saying? Like you know, I will because uh, you know I just want like the, the I think the thing that I you know I just want everybody to get an opportunity. And if right. I can give them that opportunity, I'll do it. Like we have no problem. Like, so how many I don't, comics I, total? How how many comics total are you taking? It's gonna be what's the, what we say this year, sixty total wow. for this year. 
Yeah, I think 60. 55, wow. 60. That's a no. lot of a lot of sad comics that are not going to make it in, but yeah. And the thing, you know, and uh, and the, and besides the showcase, we're trying to get every comic in at least two showcases. If you get in one, you know what I'm saying, we can't. But if we can get you in two, two. And then I'm also working with all the bookers in Portland and Eugene. They're like, yo, I'm gonna have all these comics coming in town. It's gonna be looking for stage time. So book, you know what I'm saying? Like these are comics right. you're not gonna be able to see anymore. So boom. So now you can do a lineup of comedians from all over the fucking country for a night at your show your show. So I'm setting up shit with other bookers in town, like, look, they're gonna be here. You're gonna have sixty comics that's never here to choose from. So Give them some work. Get them on some stages. Let's make this happen. Yeah. Yeah. And get names out there. It's a great opportunity for this, for all these comics that don't have this as an option. And, you know, and that's true, though. It's just that there's a lot of times that your your comedy doesn't fit into necessarily the club scene, a comedy club scene, mm -hmm. per se. But there's a lot of different, there's so many different venues out there that do comedy that, yeah. you could fit into and so everybody thinks that they have to be fit that that mold that goes into a comedy club and that's not necessarily true and, and there's not even necessary like the money isn't necessarily in a comedy club it's at other venues that you create uh, your own when you create your own adventure and you create your own yeah. scene that's where exactly. you know so given that opportunity for people who don't they they've been coach that thinking with their blinders on that you can only do a comedy club this is such a great opportunity yeah. for them to see that there's other avenues out there and we got to work we got to see some great comedians grow like one of our favorites Niles Aspen like after he got into our festival that dude just fucking blew up and went crazy his special that he filmed that he put on YouTube which was super dope like I mean like that dude, like, and he's still, to this day, he's doing his, uh, he's actually doing a little tour called Now's Big Ass Party. It's a comedy show that he's, I mean, he sold out. He came here. He went to Seattle, New York, L.A. Like, it's real dope to see him doing all the stuff yeah. he did. And he came here, and he did it. And he was like, yo, can you do a, can you do my show? And I was like, man, yeah. Like, you know, I mean, you got to ask me twice. And then he, when we saw him, he was like, yo, man, I want to thank you. He was like, your festival was my very first festival that I'd ever been in. And I want to thank you for giving me a shot because he's like, I got, you know, you get turned down by so yeah. many festivals. It kind of fucks with your mojo and it, you know, it kind of messes with you a little bit. Yeah. But when I saw him, like, I'm telling you, when me and my wife watched his, his video, we were like, yo, this dude is a fucking nut. We got to get him in. We got to, we got to, <laughs> we got to. So for us, it was more, we were more happy to have him than he, like, like the feeling was mutual. And the one thing I have taken away from this festival, I've made friends. Friends is going to stick with me for the yeah. rest of my life. I know there's not too many cities that I can't go to that I can't be like, yo, I'm in your city. I need some stage time. They're like, oh, shit, Jinx, I got you. Cool, cool, I got you. You know what I'm saying? So that's one thing that I'm always going to love. The friendships that I've made from this festival, the people I still keep in contact with and I still talk to to this day, like, that's that's the best thing about this festival because I'm, the friendships, the, the moments that you take away from it. Yeah. So. And I think that's probably true with, like, any, like comedy in, it, uh, in its whole is that we 
or I love doing comedy because it breaks down so many different barriers. You get a chance to meet people in completely and totally different uh, walks of life that you would never meet on your day to day. I mean, like, that's one of the things like one of the things I love about Katrina, we, we joke about it all the time. Like Katrina grew up in Tacoma. Like she grew up in the eighties, you know, cause we're in the same age yeah. and she grew up in, and, and it, take it to, like for me, I grew up 40 miles from the nearest town, no running water, indoor plumbing, electricity, Ooh. backwoods, legit. I was, I'm boondocks legit. And yet we sit there and we talk about our lives. We talk about our parent, our upbringing, and we have so much in common. It's ridiculous. And that's one of the things that I, I love about comedy is, is that it breaks down preconceived barriers, that things that, really you, that you think you, you, you put a label on somebody from the way they look, they're old, they're fat, they're skinny, they're, you know, whatever. And when you start sit down and actually have conversations and you start meeting people, it's, it's so amazing how many different people from different kinds of backgrounds that you get to connect with and you make those deep lasting friendships. Cause the thing is you find out you're more alike than you thought. Absolutely. You were so, you were so quick to judge and you talk to them. You're like, well, damn, we're pretty damn much the same person. Yep. And that's just it though. It's just that those preconceived notions, that's what, you know, the true, if we wanted to really break down a lot of barriers in our world when it comes to um the divisiveness is put all the people in the room together and when you have people laughing they're listening to you you know they're paying attention and it puts them like that laughter creates a bond man uh if y'all hear my car starting up it's because it is and (laughs) i have to pick up my son from work and continue doing this podcast because i ain't no punk Do what you gotta do, I man. It. I love it. I do. I, I love my kids, man. And like, like I said, they're one of the reasons I probably continue doing comedy. And that, it's so great because my kids have actually got to come to my comedy festival and see me, see me do it. Because I know there was a lot of times I was like, damn, dad just out all night. What the hell is he partying? Is he wasn't right. doing? Dad's going out of town. Why, dad? You know. So when they actually get to see me do it. It makes me feel good, and they smile like, yo, that's my dad. Like, look at my dad. So your kids, how old are your kids? How old are your kids? My my oldest just turned 24. Uh, then I have a 21-year-old, a 19-year-old. Uh, no, hold on, 22-year-old, a 20-year-old, and my youngest is my daughter, who is 17. And they actually... They actually like watching you do comedy. Yeah, uh, they're 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 all witty too. They're the same way. My kids have, well, they got it natural. They got it good. Right. They got it honest. They got it from their dad. Like I said they got their good sense from their mom, but they got their comedic timing from me. So uh, that's awesome. I did my part. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, my my kids, you know, they're grown and they they're like, yeah, whatever, mom. Your mom's a stand-up comedian? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know, they could give a shit less. But I have boys, you know, so. I, I, got, I got three boys and one girl. And, uh, like, my my daughter is the, she's the tough one. She's, yeah. uh, she's so, and she's, 
she's so witty and so smart. That's what I really love about my daughter. My daughter is so, yeah, she is. Yeah. She's awesome. Yeah. See, that's, that's kind of the, the drawback of having, you know, being a comedian and raising your kids with the comedy is, is that they can throw that shit right back at you fast. And you're like, damn. <laughs> you know, when right. The things they pop off with, I'm like, oh, my. Like, you're like, I, I, Go ahead. You're like, I want to whoop you, but that was a good punchline. Yes. So I'm going to let it yes. slide this time, all right? That yes. was a great right. punchline. I did a joke, and it wasn't, it's not, I tell a story, it's not even a joke. I tell the story about my youngest son, who was like nine at the time. And him and his brother shared a room, and they'd been fighting and arguing. And I, you know, for like over an hour, try, I'm trying to get him to sleep. And after an hour of me yelling into the bedroom, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep, I finally bellowed into their room, like, do I need to get the spoon? And my youngest oh, no. son, not even missing a beat, went, not unless you plan on cooking something. Oh, see, that's the ass whooping. That's the one where you got you to you gotta hit them in the mouth one time. Not hard. Just enough to let them know that, ooh, you can't talk. Like, uh-uh. Uh-uh. I only get like, those punchlines. Oh, yeah. I, but I busted. I'm like, what'd you say? He's like, sorry, I'm sorry. And I'm like, and I had to leave because I was so proud of him. I wanted to high five him. Like, my God, you're only I nine and you're job. That was amazing. Like, there was no leg time in that comeback. <laughs> oh, it was amazing. And the, and the timing was perfect. God, it was beautiful. I still gotta whoop your ass. The that was whoop. Yeah, like, I want to whoop you and I want to hug you. Like, if I give you a hug and just give you a rib shot to the gut, that'll make up for yes. it. Like, I just don't know right now. Yeah, kids are... Yeah, I, I love my kids. They keep me on my toes, and uh, hell, they give me hours of material. I mean, just right. have you ever just sit and listen to your kids? Oh my God, yes. You see, they say some of the, the greatest, the greatest things. They are I have just. Boys. I have boys, and I'm a single mom, so. Oh, see, I, that's tough. That's but yeah. Boys are. I I didn't know what to expect. I well, let me put it this. Way. I knew what to expect with the boys. Now my daughter. That's where I had some learning to do. Uh, there was a, uh, you know, I grew up with boys and we had one little sister and all I knew about my little sister was protect. You know, right. so I didn't know how to raise her. So with my daughter, I was like, uh, let's see. See, with the boys, I had three. First one was the experiment. The second one, we did a little bit better. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> by, the, by the third one, we wasn't dropping them no more, feeding them on time, or forgetting them in the right. car. So, you know, like we had it, we had it down pack by the third one. You know, it takes yes, a little yeah. time. But, but you gotta understand, though, girls, you don't, <laughs> girls, they can fend for themselves. Like, you don't really need to, like, ra- they're smart by the time they're six, they figure out life. You know, yeah. all they know is they got two big yeah. brothers that'll protect them. And right. that and that she'll end up having to bail one of them out of jail at one point. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, I mean, it. you know, I, I it's kind of like my family. I'm the oldest. I have a brother that's a little bit younger than me, and then I got a sister who's the youngest, who's seven years younger than me. And wow. you know, it's that dynamic. My sister is smart. My brother, we have to bail money ready, and then there's me. Who's <laughs> Who's probably going to have to use a comedy paycheck to bail him out of jail? So that's <laughs> that's, that's, that's where we at. I, I speaking of kids, you guys were talking about your kids. I have a niece, and I remember one. My niece, I love my niece. She's she's such a sweetheart. She's bad, but she's a sweetheart. I remember uh, she came here, and I was on my way to do a comedy show, and she blocked the doorway like, "Where are you going? Stay here." I'm like, 
I gotta go. I got I got things to do. And she's like, you know, no, stay, Uncle. Like she just wanted me to stay. And I was like, I'm about to go tell jokes. And I was like, I wrote one about you, and I want to tell it to people. And she moved right out the way, and she was like, go. <laughs> the next God, day. I gotta stop. Oh, I'm sorry. Keep talking. I'm. Oh, I'm sorry. The next, the, <laughs> okay. the next day, I'm doing some um, illegal shit in the middle of 82nd right now, and I'm like, oh god, the police. The fact that you say that on our podcast makes us accomplices. Um, I know, right? Oh yeah. But we can't see anything. It's we can see the car, the lights of the cars behind you. That's it. So yeah. We, bail we, money, bail money. Uh. <laughs> so the next day, um, I see my niece and. You know, she's like, do you have to go anywhere today, uncle? And I'm like, no, I'm going to stay here tonight. And then she comes up to me. She's like, so how was the joke you told? And I was like, oh, it went well. She's like, can you tell me it? I'm like, there's a lot of cursing involved. And she's like, oh, that's okay. Mommy curses all the time. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man, I, uh, you know, but I never, I haven't told her. When she's 14, I'll probably tell her. Um, or, you know. Drinking age, which she's 15, I'll tell her. <laughs> yeah, that's 15. That's old drinking age. I, speaking of drinking, I know uh, Mr. Collins was talking about how when I first started drinking, I was 12. Wow. So Sorry. I, My I wasn't even, I wasn't even good. a teenager yet. Okay. All right. Sorry about but, that. I, I don't know. I think the, the one time the worst drinking memory I ever have was this time when I was uh, 16 and I went to, my, my dad lived in Vegas and so I flew down there to go take care of my rotten stepbrothers and sisters and they were out of town and I made the mistake in May because it was very hot outside and I was coming from up here where it was very cool and I went down there and I did found some alcohol and decided to get in the hot tub and had alcohol. Yeah, I was incredibly, oh. incredibly sick afterwards. Tyrone, what is going on over there? It sounds like your car. I am doing. I'm. Yeah, I'm like I'm picking up kids. I'm running. I'm, <laughs> I. I can't. I wish I just could like just be regular. I have to be a father and oh, do all the other shit. Right. You don't have to apologize, man. And you yeah. just but I'm gonna still do the podcast. Yeah, we just hosted our open mic earlier tonight. Now I'm going to pick up my son, but first I'm stopping by the dispensary because I need weed. Uh, and I'm still gonna do the podcast because, goddamn it, I'm a trooper. There you go. <laughs> I tell you. Actually, take us into the dispensary with you. That ought to be fun. I, I, I am. Hold on. Let me put on my mask. Is the security there? They know me in here too, so hopefully they don't. I tell them I'm not taking pictures. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up, man? How y'all feeling tonight? I'm doing good, man. What's up? See, they know my name over here. You heard him say, "Hey, dude." And yeah, what's the what's the special right there? Uh, How much? Uh, forty bucks. Okay. Uh, hold on. Buy, buy two. Buy two. I want some. <laughs> 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 but buy two, I'll send more you the 40. I'll, I'll send you the 40. 
You're gonna have to have him mail it to you too. This has got to be a podcast host, like for us, like our our, our guest buying. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm I'm doing a I'm doing a podcast. It's not a picture; it's only audio. So I'm not taking pictures in here. I'm just. Okay, they're laughing and shit. Like, this is not sponsoring us, so we can't really say the name of this place. Bro, they know, they know me over here. I get a, a, fam, a friends and family this time. I think I saw your picture know. on the wall somewhere. It might be, no joke. Like, That's uh, funny. while we're bullshitting. <laughs> this place kept me alive during the pandemic. And I'm sure oh, you can return the favor. Oh yeah, I'm gonna pay. I'm gonna put somebody's kid through college. I'm sure of it. I'm, I'm, I'm sure of it. But you know what, though, it's cheaper than having to buy it on the street corner, and it's also better quality. It's safer. And yeah, and the fact of the matter is, is that you know, the everything else you got going, it's not like you have the time to grow your own. So. Right. Okay, I'm, I'm just taking on this one. Yeah, you guys are listening, and they're playing Bone Thugs in Harmony? Oh, yeah, I like the suspense nice. already. There's so many licenses. There's so many licenses. That we, I hope yeah. yeah, right. Uh, oh, you're going to get a record. You're going to get a notice from Sony. Like, cease oh, and desist. Yeah. You're... Yeah. Like, well, you just had 500 listens to this episode. <laughs> it's it's probably gonna get flagged on Facebook. That's okay. It might. Okay. Trying to get this done. My wife is taking her time. Oh my goodness! I love her to death. So, uh, next question. I'm answering all questions. This is a lot of fun. So. Uh, I mean, until y'all kick me off, I'll be here all night. I mean, I'm a, I'm a talker, so like you know, so like I can. Just started doing the Right on. How long is that gonna take me to go Can't hit Marianne. Myself. We can't hear you over the music. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I don't I don't burn myself out. I only watch like uh, we only watch like 15 a night. Okay. Okay, so well, it takes a little longer, but hold on, man. Yeah, my, yeah, my wife is. Come on. Uh, I know y'all close soon. I know, I know, I know. I'm sorry. I'm still here. I feel like we're in the day in the life of Tyrone Collins. Like this is. Yeah, really. This is what he's like after the open mic. Right, and this is you know like the downtime. This is the, so if he did it at open mic, then you still have like kind of that the the uh, energy from that. And then is it so? Is it an open mic that you guys run, or is it one that yeah, you went to? We, we run our own open mic. We run two open mics here in town. One on Tuesdays and one on Thursdays. Uh, Tuesday we're over on 82nd. Thursday we're downtown at Kelly's Olympian. So. Oh, wow. uh, so we run two, we run, and we're probably, we're thinking about adding a third, a mic, a late night, um, a late night mic on Thursday night at another, so we're trying to, we're trying to stay busy, you know, yeah. you know, I don't, you know, so then we're but also you- working on the couple, 
Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was just saying, as the kids start getting older, you start finding that you have more availability to do things. Yes. Because, like I said, I only have one more in school, and that's my daughter. So, so nice. you know what I'm saying? Okay, my wife is, come on, babe. You're not. Thanks for tuning into another episode of It's Not About You with Jamal, Marianne, and Cousin Todd. Be sure to check them out on all their social medias at Not About You Pod.